welcome back to another episode of Quintessential with your host, Quinn. And today's topic, I'm very excited to uh, definitely go through this. This was something that was requested, I would say, after the first episode. Um, and joining me, I have my dear friend, Cassandi joining, who's going to be ta- talking through this topic with me. Um, this is something that the two of us have always commented on, especially because a little bit of some background, Cassandi and I, we actually used to work together in the past. Um, that's where our friendship was formed. Um, and it was usually just based off of like just sarcasm and like dark humor and just us really just going through realizing what the working place was, especially for black women in corporate America. So it really was just like a bonding session for us a lot of the times, but really just like having that space where we can talk about it openly. And um, so this topic, I would say, is near and dear to our hearts. Sarcasm again. Um, but, you know, just wanted to set the premise for it. Kasandi, say hi. Hello. <laughs> All right. So... Yeah, so, I mean, I guess just to start it off, the topic today that we're going to be talking a little bit about is going to be um, about microaggression. We love microaggression. (laughs) But with that, we're basically just going to talk about what is microaggression, how has it affected us, and just how common it is i'm sure a lot of us as we've been going through a lot of these conversations now with the openness of talking about race um and tackling these discussions uh a common one you've probably come across a couple of times term wise would be microaggression so um i mean i guess just starting into it kasani if you want to like just give us a little bit of some background about yourself who you are and i guess we'll then just go from there because and i guess from there is just usually where we have Um, the segue there yeah so I grew up in the DMV area DC Maryland Virginia I always say DC just so I don't lose my black card even though I'm from the suburbs of northern Virginia so that's where I'm from Uh, I'm also a dual citizen so I'm Kenyan American and what's interesting about this conversation is that (laughs) like just like thinking about like where I'm from, just being from Kenya and the US and also being a dark skinned woman definitely, you know, shapes how I view this conversation <laughs> of like race and microaggressions and macro sex. So that's a little bit about where I'm from. Yeah, of course. And um definitely growing up in the suburbs, I feel like let's start there <laughs> because I think that's where the both of us have a lot um, in common with experience-wise, at least, and both of us being very much uh, growing up in the suburbs, being a black woman, but also being black people who were very much also in touch, obviously, with our black sides, too. Like, you know, I mean, growing up in those areas, too, you also realize how there are some who, unfortunately, they don't get to have that kind of luxury. So, like, it's it's a lot harder, I would say. Um, and... It's just a lot more alarming. You kind of have like that built in empathy. And again, that's also just kind of just being a black woman too. You just have like that height, that heightened sense of empathy for everybody else too. Cause it's like, you just all, you just get struggle. You get, you get 
the whole shitty end of the stick type of scenario for other people. So it's kind of just like you kind of build that in. And I guess when we define what microaggression is, it's uh, the definition of it usually is just used for brief and commonplace daily verbal or behavioral uh, comments. Uh, They're usually unintentional as well too, uh, used to communicate topics uh, stereotypes, prejudice remarks, race topics, um, just in person, but a lot more casual. And so it could be from any group, uh, just to set the premise with that. It could actually come from any one of us. Um, and it's usually unintentional, but it's usually said in a hostile or uh, derogatory or negative um, insult towards a group. Um and it's particularly culturally marginalized groups is usually where it happens too. But again, it can happen uh, from all, it can happen from all of us, all races and everything. But um, typically when we think of microaggression, it's usually towards uh, a culturally marginalized group. Uh, and so for us, I mean, if we think about where, like what microaggression is, like, um, I don't know, Cassandra, can you think of any that, ring a bell of like <laughs> <laughs> set the alarm <laughs> i i feel like my favorite one that we were talking about is like just <laughs> it's like i hate to laugh because it's not funny but like like you said we have this dark sense of humor that like it's just like dark funny no no pun intended the right same term. but it's just like that whole thing like oh my god you're so well spoken like uh, like oh my god you're so smart was that not supposed to be like oh my god you just you speak so well you dress so well you do this so well. it's like huh like what like it's just simple thing and it's usually and like, just presented to you in such a way where it's like it's supposed to be <laughs> like it's supposed to be a compliment somehow and it's not, obviously, but, like, it's always presented some way, like, I mean, usually as some sort of compliment, like, oh, my gosh, you're actually smart. Oh, my gosh, you, you. They forgot the actually. That's literally perfectly it. It's like they say it, but they, what they meant to do with that to actually in their head is you see in their body language. Where you're just like, what? <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it's know, so it's, funny when you look back on it oh my god yeah and i mean like it, it starts so young um in like i mean especially if you are a person of color in a predominantly white area like you experience this shit immediately in a way where it's kind of like you don't even have a second to even process it or even think really about the comment a part of you feels uncomfortable but you don't really know why you're uncomfortable but like you do, but then you don't. So it's it's very much crazy. And it's like, uh, you know, just it could either be performative, like, you know, your your school or your company uh, staging some kind of performative picture where they have like a lot of uh, people of diverse backgrounds in it. When you know real life in the job, it's not even like that. So now you see that that's like a different way that that's a form of microaggression, you know, and, and for that, it's like, that's supposed to be 
a compliment in a way where it's like we're trying to attract that, but we're also trying to show that we do care about that. But it's like if you did care about it, though, you wouldn't have to go as far as staging this. You'd actually be about it. You'd be about it instead of talking about it. You know what I mean? And it could it could go from, you know, a spectrum like that to or, you know, being in the school setting where it's like constantly mistaking black students for other black students in the class or like especially if you're in a school where it's predominantly white kids and there's legit only like one or two black kids and those are the only names you keep fumbling and then stumbling between it's like come on come on or like not even trying you're not even trying or like you know invading the space of uh black students by touching or constantly commenting on their hair or like really making them stick out more like a sore thumb than they already feel like it especially in those areas yeah so it's anything ranging between those to obviously you know like the very common ones um that we know that are that are usually statements that you hear often but it can can go into actual actions too and that's like kind of just where i'm trying to like stress that here i mean uh thinking back like you said, because uh, I know that you grew up in a suburban area um, yourself. Like, when do you think was your first real experience with microaggression? Like, when do you think was like your first real like, wait, something doesn't feel right. Something, it's not in my face racist. So I don't know if it's racist, but you know something is not right and it is uncomfortable, and you're definitely being singled out. <laughs> like. I I remember, and this is such a vivid memory, which just goes to show how, like, even though we're, like, 24, 25, how we can remember things at such a young age, because that's how you know it really, even though you were a kid, right? You didn't, like you were saying, like, you didn't really know, you were, like, trying to decipher, like, is this good or bad? But, like, as an adult now, I'm like, oh, my God, that is actually so, that was terrible. No, no wonder I remember that trauma for me. Because as a, in middle school, literally in middle school, I was in the fifth or sixth grade, can't remember. And I remember we were in English class. And you know how in English class, kind of like a teacher kind of brings a prompt or asks a question and you go back and forth throughout the class. I remember Miss Ekman, I remember this woman, mocked me, mocked the answer that I gave to another student and started like moving her neck around and like, like adding this like accent and it was so weird for me because I was thinking like wait a minute <laughs> hold up hold up hold up first of all <laughs> girl what like you yeah no it was insane and I was like a little kid and I didn't get it so I was like first like and this is no shade I'm like I come from an African household right and my first language was Swahili so I'm just sitting here as like a black Kenyan child seeing a white American woman try to mock me, but she's not even using, she doesn't even know where I'm from. She's using what she thinks every black person is. And what's really offensive is that she, you can tell that she's very degrading towards the, that's what let me know. You're degrading towards the African American speech here. And that's like, I can see how you're already dividing the different types of black students. Cause it's like, you have me a black African or somebody else with a black African somewhere else there's African Americans like such an reflective group of people and you I could in that moment she did so much with so little I was like damn but I didn't get that until I was older but I was like 
wait, you don't sound like that. And even if I did sound like that, that's not a bad thing. That's just different people talking different ways. Not all black people sound the same. And the fact that you chose to mock me and you don't even know me like that. I was like, bruh, that is, it just caught me off guard. Like, I remember just being like, uh, what just happened? And she didn't see a problem with it. But yeah, it was just like, whew. It was a, she, you know what she did? The Tamara Mori head bob. <laughs> Except not a kid. <laughs> the Tamara Mori head bob. No. Honestly, that's so fucked up because it's so true exactly what you said. Like, you clearly knew she was trying to degrade you in that moment. Like, she was flat out also not even to just you, but, like, black people in general. Like, she had a stereotype that she had in her head and wanted to perform it in front of this classroom to justify her feelings towards you and you getting a simple like a simple question wrong like or who knows I don't even know if you got the question right or wrong but either way it's like now you're gonna feel so self-conscious anytime you do want to raise your hand and ever want to answer or you know want to be comfortable in this classroom because now she already set the tone that girl I already have a thought about you that might that may or may not even be true to who you are but I already feel like I know you and I already feel like I know you're kind and I already feel like I know that you are all this like girl (laughs) that was just wild because I was like first of all even that's why I said even if I did talk like that like that's no excuse like that doesn't tell my story that doesn't tell the story of every african-american here like and wh- not every african-american sounds the same exactly so it's like, why was that why is that the default setting for like black people overall it's like you have to sound like this well, what movie did you watch did you watch like barbershop one day you just like came in and decided like i don't even know what media you consumed like it's just weird when people do that. <laughs> no, like, dead ass. I don't know. It's just really crazy to me that that's some... And it it's so common because, like, so for me, my first incident of dealing with it, it wasn't exactly like that, but I've even had teachers who've done shit like what you just said. And I'm like, whoa, holy shit, you're so right. Like, that is also another form of it. Like, you are assuming... It's just really fucked up. But anyways, my my topic, um, well, not topic, my experience was also around that same age too. Like, it's just to show how much it's so young and because this stuck with me, it's something that I just knew off the bat. Like, once I did start doing that whole self-work and, like, trying to figure out where do all these, like, things come from, whatever. Like, me knowing that I should have been, like, using my voice more for myself type of situation. I was also in fifth grade. My family... We uh, actually, no, this was sixth grade. We just moved from Brooklyn. Um, We used to live in Flatbush. We grew, I grew up there. We were there for years. And then we went all the way up to Warwick, New York in Orange County um, area. And I was just started school. Mind you, just for some little background in Brooklyn, I was in the gifted classes. I was um, in an honors program and was like seen as a smart apple. Yay. Love that for me. But, you know, so I then um, now I'm in this suburban area, this town, and um, I just started school maybe like 
a week or two in. It it was it was very recent, and they decided to put me into a special ed class. Like they put me into a special program where it was like I would go into my classrooms and like it would be regular setting. But then after those classes, I would have to go to then these mini debrief uh, sessions where it would be talking about what we just learned and like trying to, you know, get I I just don't really know what it was. And I remember asking my teacher, like, what is this? Like, I was just very much confused. I never even told my parents about it either because I was like, what are they going to do? Like, I don't even know if this is wrong. Like, maybe I do need to be in these classes like. I, I don't know. I get I mean, I think I'm getting everything that they're talking about. Like, I don't think that I'm having a problem, you know, understanding it. But Ooh. I mean, if, if they see it, then maybe it's true. Like, maybe there is something wrong. And that's not to say that special ed is like a wrong thing. It's obviously there and it's needed for obvious reasons like if you do need that extra help or you need a setting where it's a lot more intimate so that where there's not as many distractions like I totally understand what it's there for you know but I just like at that point going from an area where I was kind of in the same setting but like for a different reason like I was in it because I was in an honors stance and now I'm like in a special group where it's like for like learning you know, like for like learning purposes, like trying to get you on track. And I just like didn't understand where that came from because I think transcript wise, everything pretty much showed that I am exactly yeah, where that's I interesting. need. Yeah, like where I need to be. And I kid you not, it was after maybe the first quarter or um, like halfway through the second quarter. They, um, it was after I just got on honor roll. <laughs> I just got an honor roll for um, my math class and I was on honor roll for um, my science class as well, too. So I was clearly there and I had like good average grades for my English class and everything else was like pretty just much normal. And the lady who was running the special program, she pulled me aside and was like, you don't belong here. And I just like looked at her and I was like, yeah, I know. I mean, I just don't, I just didn't really know like what to say or what to do. But like, what do you mean? Like, what what are we doing from this? So basically she pulled me aside to let me know that they're taking me out of the program because I had, that also was the same week I had like the highest grade in my math class. And I was also then again, like I said, was on honor roll. So they took me out and they sent a, a voicemail to my parents and was like, um, oh, just letting you know, we're going to be taking Quinesia out of uh, the special program. She's going to be back into regular classes um, starting X, Y, Z, date, whatever. And I just that's something that I personally have never gotten over or never really even talk about because I'm just still to this day very much like I wonder what was the reason and I never knew if that was a thing that could categorize you know like could be fell under that category it wasn't until I'm I mean I knew obviously growing up like that definitely had to have been it but what, what really validated it for me was when have you ever seen that um I think it's on Hulu with Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington little fires everywhere No I'm I need to I need to watch it I've seen like I've heard great things 
girl, you need to watch it. I know, it. I'm behind, I'm behind. No, I'm it, behind. <laughs> it is actually so good. Like, I really enjoyed it. And, I mean, at some points I thought it was a little much. Like, just like, okay, we get it. But, like, at the same time, like, they really hit the nail on the head for many things. So there was a scene where um, Carrie Washington's daughter... Pearl was her name. She was, uh, they move around a lot. The mom's very mysterious. This is a part of the whole plot. Like, why are they moving around so much? Like, why is this Carrie Washington being the mysterious one? Yeah, she is. Like, she's a mysterious oh, one. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so on brand for her. <laughs> she always <laughs> feeling some shit like that. Her and, like, the facial expressions. Like, what? <laughs> Cause cry, no, she cries too much, girl. Girl, she cries a lot in that movie. Face. She, I mean, show. I can't do her yes. crying No, face. the crying face is too much. It's, like, almost as bad as Kim K's. <laughs> Anyways, but oh. Carrie Washington's daughter is now, because they're... You know, she's, like, trying to, you know, empathize with her daughter and, like, wants her to have a normal life. And the daughter's, like, tired of moving around. So she's trying to have her settle. So she, like, now is trying to enroll her in school and everything. And so the girl is in class and she saw her schedule and she saw that she was in geometry. And she was like, wait, I already took geometry. Like, I aced that. Um, I'm supposed to be in like, let's just say trigonometry. I don't, I don't even fucking know if that was what it was, but let's just say that's what it was. Um, and she was like, oh, I know I'm supposed to be in this. So she goes to the office and is like, Hey guys, like, um, I just wanted to talk about my transcripts. Like I, I see that I'm in geometry again. I already took this. Um, and I, I'm supposed to be in trigonometry and then they put her with like her guidance counselor to like help her with it. Obviously, that means he didn't help her with shit. And he spent <laughs> the entire session basically talking down to her. Like, oh, um, oh, you took geometry already? Like, are you sure you did? Um, I don't know. Really? I think <laughs> then he's like, um, I don't know. I think you'd get a lot out of being in it again. Um, I don't think that you're really ready for, you know, the the more advanced class. Like this is just, it, you just have to do this. That way we have the grades here in our program. She's like, but you have the grades here too. Like I have the transcript showing that I already took this class. Like this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And I need to be where I'm at. So that way I can get to where actually where I want to be, you know, like she has like high goals for herself. Like, I don't want to ruin too much of the show for you, but she like is on track for whatever it is that she's trying to do. And this is obviously sending her back because now wow. she's basically like re- like repeating a grade to her, you know? So they're just like, oh, no, like you you have to. And he's like, listen, like I, I'm sure you'll do fine if you took the class before. That means you'll probably do well again in it now. So, you know, maybe take it as that. And then, like, we can just move forward. Like, I don't think you need to be stressing too much about this. Basically trying to tell her, like, oh. deal with it. This is, like, for your own good. Like, I don't think you can manage being with the more advanced kids. Sir? sir? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. That's wild. And so, basically, uh, and there's one point where she, like, goes and runs to Reese Witherspoon, you know, like, white savior, and is like, can you write me a letter so that way I can get out of this? Because they won't listen to me, and obviously they're going to listen to you because she has, like, a good high status within the school and everything. You know, she's, like, a PTA mom who's, like, very involved and, like, runs the place low-key, runs the town low-key, and all of that. So she helps and pulls strings, and she finally gets out of it. But it wasn't, obviously, until you know, Reese said something that they then did something to get her out of it. Oh, that is 
that is okay. Now I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna watch that tonight. <laughs> no, you you really need to. But yeah, so just when I saw that scene, I was like, holy shit! Wait, why do I feel like this was like equivalent to me in sixth grade? <laughs> Like when I yeah. was really sitting there like so confused as to why I needed, you know, the special help when I knew I didn't. And I and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to complain because I don't want to like seem like a problem or anything like that. So I yeah, you don't want to ruffle feathers. Exactly. So I actually stuck through with it because I also didn't know what else I could do. I didn't know if there was a way to get out of it or who do I even need to talk to in a situation like that. So I just did what I had to do. And the next, thing you know, that's when they were like, wait a minute you don't need to be here. And it was also coincidentally a time when my mom even was like coming to me home and she was like mad at me because I didn't tell her that I was on honor roll. And she found out because I was in the school's newspaper section, like where they give like shout outs to like who's on honor roll, like in it, which I didn't even know the town did that. And my mom was like, Oh my gosh, like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, Oh, and I'm like, you know, like not a big deal, whatever. But it was just so funny because it just, solidified so many different things and I guess for me it's just the whole mindset that you adopt being in those areas and like having to maneuver and deal with shit like that all the time like I feel like as I've gotten older and I am the woman that I am today a lot of it had to stem from me really sitting with myself and re remembering (laughs) that stuff you know and like it could go from that time in fifth grade to you know times were in college I've just dealt with so much shit that like it made me angry like I was just angry all the time about being in in those spaces where I was just like oh this is bullshit you know um and going through that and reworking through those quote-unquote trauma you know um and and really trying to figure out why you are the way you are today and how you can do better. Um, even being, you know, the confident, uh, loving person that I try to be to myself, you know, like it's a, it's obviously an effort to always love yourself. Um, but it's harder to when you grow up in areas like that where you've always been sticking out like a sore thumb in a way, or you just always knew that people, yeah. that people were always trying you like from all different oh, yeah. age groups, all different, like angles, yes, everything. everything. Like, you were getting it from your peers. You were getting it from like your teachers. You were getting it from like adults. Mm. You were getting it from your friend's parents. You were getting it from like, yeah, yeah, from your parents <laughs> and, and even from your own. And it's just like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. I think like, I don't know. I think there is like a mindset that you just adopt. And especially because like the whole microaggression thing, like it's usually coming from people that you like. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely. <laughs> wow. That's so true. Yeah. Wow. I'm just like thinking about everything that you just said. Like, <laughs> it's like, wow. Like thinking about like how we all have situations like that some point like it will happen to like every single black child like you going through something like that and it's wow it's so isolating like literally everything that's said like experience it from every angle every person that's that's a lot of pressure that's why you don't ever get to be a kid oh no being a kid is a luxury 
you know, like, and I, and I think because like the two of us, like we're very much like very introspective kind of people. So, you know, like shit will get to our heads even more, you know, like we're, we sit with it a lot more. Sure. We like to analyze it a lot more and like to think about it. And so I just know a lot of my childhood, I really was just trying to like think like, how do I make the best of the situation? Like, how do I move forward? How do I like deal with it? Because I'm going to, I'm in an area where like, I, you know, know that I'm great, you know, but it's like sometimes it's hard to really convince yourself that when like you stick out so much, you're isolated a lot, like you don't feel as great as you think your peers look, you know, or like the way that they mm -hmm. act. Um, and it's funny because I was actually recently listening to um, an episode of Girls Gotta Eat um, podcast and the episode I was listening to it was like about stereotyping and like dating like different races and like the guy that they had as a guest star he's Asian um and he was talking about his experience and how he himself was an Asian guy who also grew up in a predominantly white area so that complex you see again of like struggling to like love and accept yourself in those areas because like you're constantly kind of like bombarded with all these different ideologies like whitewashing is so prominent to you because that's like what your area yeah. is usually like filled with so it's like if you also don't have that luxury of being in touch with you know your other like your actual culture and your actual like <laughs> self you like you can easily get yeah. lost and like swallowed into it where you then believe these ideologies like he was even talking about how he used to be he used to feel like it was a compliment when people would go up to him and be like I mean, you're not really Asian, you know, like you're, you're kind of like whitewashed. You're like a white Asian. And he would just, <laughs> he would say, he said it on the episode. Like I felt honestly, like it was a compliment. Like I felt like, wow, okay, you're right. Like I'm not like the other Asian kids over there. And I was sitting down in that episode and I knew this is where my ignorance came from too, because I was listening and I was like, damn, you too. <laughs> I mean, it's facts. Like, like you, were <laughs> you never realize it too? until you hear it. Yeah. Every, all of us are going, that's what's crazy. It's like, and sorry to cut you off, but it's like all of us are going through it at the same time. And we don't, you don't really realize it until you hear someone say it. And then you're like, hmm. then it, it hits a little deeper for you. Cause you're like, wow. Now we're, we're all feeling this pain. Like obviously it's different, but uh, there's the similarity amongst like minorities that like, we all feel the pressure to be whitewashed, like to go to that direction in order. It's like a survival thing. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, especially in those areas, it is a survival thing that you do. It's like you're full on in survival mode to the point where it's almost too easy to lose your identity. And mm -hmm. that's like when that's when like this whole topic needs to be discussed because this is a huge issue. And this is a huge reason why so many um of us are like now taking this opportunity to even talk about it because like I did low key feel for him when he was talking about the compliments of feeling like, oh, he was a little bit more like whiter than the tip, the stereotypical Asian, you know? And that's even like racist in itself too. Cause it's like, what does that even mean? Like what kind of Asian, like should I even be? What yeah. kind of black person should I yeah. even be? What, why is there only one True. black experience? And you know what? It, it bleeds into it so deeper than even like, people within our own cultures are even holding and gatekeeping, you know? Like, I know you definitely, we've talked about this before too, about, like, other black people who are gatekeeping about, like, the black experience and, like, what it means to be a black person and, like, you know, there's, like, a huge, there's just a huge complex with it that comes 
from it. And so when he was talking about all of that, I just was like, yeah. And it, it does stem from those areas a lot because of the microaggressions that you face and because of how common it is. Because like I said, these comments are usually coming from people that you are friends with or people who you like. And it's just microaggression in a way is kind of like the evidence that racism is still a prominent issue today. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah. Like that. It's so pervasive. Yes. <laughs> and like, that's why I hate to laugh because it's not funny, but it's like, damn, like even that example that you brought up, it's like, wow, like we're all thinking the same thing. <laughs> like we're all going through it. And it's like, it sucks. Like this is a part of our like social DNA. Just yes. like this pervasive whiteness and the, the whole dominance of the white male gaze. It's like, that's what we're supposed to, like just we're supposed to be appeasing it and just always making sure that we're on our best behavior. But it's like, uh, what? This isn't even our true selves. Like, what the hell? Like, why do we have to always be like, <laughs> and I not hate us. that you just said that with the whole like best behavior thing too, because it's so true. Like you also then start identifying this like whitewashed, as like a should be behavior or a this is my proper behavior this is for me when I'm trying to navigate into you know white spaces or professional spaces quote unquote because those two are, are apparently similar um, because they do you know oh, yeah they do rule like that space too so it's like you do have like your best behavior kind of persona and it's like the ones that they're like oh my gosh like you're just so like oh you're one of the good ones Oh, you're one of you're one of the you know you're like you're not like the other ones. <laughs> Let's actually just list some microaggressions that we've heard. You, yeah, you I, was go. Like, <laughs> I was like, what's name of all? Oh my god! Like, well, this is fun. There's literally what you said. So it's like the my I feel like my top five are like you speak so well. <laughs> you are so smart. I same manager told. <laughs> He said, yeah, like, he basically said, you know how the whole black woman thing is, like, independent black women don't need no man thing? Yeah. She basically said, well, you know, I don't really feel like you need one. <laughs> uh, which is, and she was literally just bolstering that whole trope of, like, independent black women, you're so strong, high five, I'm drowning. That's all. She would just. He's the type, like, you know that meme that was going viral on Instagram? Yes. Like, a black woman so strong, she's a high five. She's not going to help you up the water. She can watch you out. That's the kind of energy that she would bring to the table. And, like, I remember one time she even, she always said comments about my feet. She was like, you're so eloquent. You're so this. You're so that. And I was like, you comment on every part of me as if you're looking at me like I'm behind the cage at the zoo or something. Like, you've never seen... <laughs> like, I oh am face. a weird phenomenon to you. Like, I am so, like, unique. And I'm like, girl, there's a, yeah. there's a whole bunch of me's. There's a whole bunch. That's like, what I mean. I was like, you want, you want me to take you back to DC? She even tried to make a comparison. This one is for the book. This one is when I was like, all right, I need to take a quick day. She really tried to say, like, oh, you know, like, because of where my parents worked. Or, you know, we come from, like, really similar households. And I was like, bruh, the only reason you're saying that <laughs> is because of income. 
And that is really fucked up. So you're basically saying, oh, like, I was just like, you are saying a lot right now, but you're literally saying, I am just so shocked. <laughs> First of all, that you have both parents. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> that you actually come from a place where you were able to do all these different things and go to private school. So, like, she just, like, said so much, in, and she would make me do it. That's the thing about microaggressions. They're little comments. Yes. And oftentimes, I didn't even say it in the beginning, oftentimes these things were done in front of other people. So it's not like you can just be like, you know, what the fuck is this? Because it's like, we're also at the office. Yeah. And the like, and like office saying, is where so office, much of it happens. The office is where so just, much of it happens. And they feel <laughs> mad comfortable to just come to you with stuff like that. And you're just Because they like, know because they know that if you say anything, it's like the office is basically their free for all because they know. They know that if you come back at them and tell them anything about themselves, that they can just write you up to HR, change the narrative, put you as the antagonist, and then your ass is going to be fired for even attempting to talk to them any kind of way. It's a weird cycle. Like, because I noticed, like, all these different black people, Hispanic people, all the black and brown people were getting all these weird HR complaints. And I was like, that's interesting. And it was always the people that were the most vocal. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, there are patterns here. <laughs> like, they don't want to be told about this stuff. Which is like, you know, sucks to say it. Like, it's pretty harsh, but it's like, dude. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, just crazy. You have to listen you gotta list your top five now, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, you literally nailed a lot of it too. Like, especially like I said, the workplaces where so much of it just happens. Like, you know, like you get your hair done, and then everybody comes and tries to touch it. Like, oh my gosh, how do you do this? How long did that take? <laughs> oh my gosh, your hair. No. Oh my gosh, and you know, there was a funny tweet that I saw the other day that I was cracking up, and it was like this. It's a tweet from a black woman, and she was like showing up to the interview with, like, my wig or, like, hair straight and then showing up the first day of work with my braids in, like... You have to actually... I love that. And it's, like, because it's true, because it's, like, you know, everybody knows. It's, like, the unspoken truth that is now being spoken about. Like, for black women, it's, like, you know that there's still so much prejudice here when it comes to, like, our hair and what is deemed as proper and not proper, where, like, we know how to now maneuver it easier to get a job and then are able because once you get the mm. job now you're free to do whatever the hell you want to do you know like <laughs> and it's like obviously not every black woman does that but you know so many of us like have maneuvered it through because you know and it's even something that's been ingrained even in your family too like you know your aunties and shit and your mom was like Oh, you know, you got to do your hair proper. You, your hair needs to be done. Like, it needs to be looking good. Like, you can't just be going to work with just your hair out there looking like that. Like, you need to have it done professionally. Like, it needs to look professional. And, like, you, that stuff you that's, internalize so much. Wow. And you're like, oh, so, like, professional means my hair straightened and my hair, what? Like, more, like... <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Like, like, more white looking. Like, now it's, like, so much more common to see black women going to work with like their hair natural or their hair in braids or like different types of hairstyles. But before it really was like, you either need to like process your hair with chemicals and have it permed or you need to weave it or you need to have a wig. Like those were like these staples mm -hmm. of it or like, yeah, that was pretty much that. And now like, as we've gotten more progressive, it's like you can now go to work with your hair braid. You can go to work with your hair. Like oh, that. but even, even the braid sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> like, even the braid. That, that's like I, you're like skating on a thin line sometimes where they're like, oh. I 
because I remember one time when I was just getting, I don't know why I thought this is a good idea. I was like, oh my God, I'm in New York. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know why. I, I think I'm in this personality. I don't know why. But I was like, you know what? Because I saw this little girl. I was like living in front I, I randomly one weekend saw this little girl in the neighborhood and she had like hot pink braids. And I was like, yo, that's actually so dope. What most people are going to consider hood, ghetto, blah, blah, blah. I was like, nah, that's, that's creative as hell. Like, she was just like a little girl, right? Walking through the neighborhood. She was so happy with her hot pink braid. Like, she was at the age where society had not yet told her that that wasn't okay. Like, yeah. she was in a state of pure happiness. And I was like, yo, that, and I, was I sober at the time? Um, I don't know. I don't think I was because I analyzed it so deeply. But I was like, watching all these, like, young kids just being themselves, dressing, whatever. Like, they were just so free. And I was like, wow. Ah, it sucks that, like, yeah. when they get to my age, they're going to feel the stresses that I feel. And then I just, like, as an Aries, was like, you know what? She inspired me. So then I went. <laughs> I got, like, these hot pink extensions. And I did, like, hot pink box. <laughs> Love. And the I think first I day. <laughs> that's the first day, yo. I don't know who I thought I was. I was like, I am not that little girl. I realized that as soon as I walked into work. But I remember, like, one of my bosses was like, oh, my God, Kasani, you look like such a rock star. I was like, oh, my God, I shouldn't have been. I'm not trying to talk shit on him, but he's one of the most, like, like, insane white dudes that's, like, so dramatic. Like, oh, my God, Kasani. Because he knew, the thing is, because he knew I was being rebellious by doing it. That's what was so funny about the whole thing. He was like, you're such a rock star. I'm like, the fact that a white person, <laughs> the fact that he even knew that me coming in like this was something rebellious, like that just shows that things have not changed. It's like, it's a, it's in a Luckily, way like they know it's rebellious it. or they're also very fascinated by how like free we can just do that to our hair. They're also just very much like, no, it was, it was oh my so gosh. much at once. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, like that is so you. That is so a black woman of you. Like you No, that's what oh my god, literally that's like, you could have just said that. Like, okay. The blackest black woman move I've seen this entire week. So there was, so there was a part two that you mentioned about the other manager who is like a woman, I'm assuming she's white. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she was giving her input <laughs> about like independent black woman and like trying to like pep up uh, and like trying to act like she knew what it meant to be any of that or that she's yeah. like, kind of an ally that, you know, like it's so funny because one of my microaggressions that I have um, that I, at the top of my head for um, naming it is just like just it's not even a saying. It's just like a doing where it's like. I don't know if you've ever gotten this, but it's like, especially from like white women, they're just like, you know, I as a woman get what you're going through when it comes to being discriminated against. Like, you know, like being a woman and everything. And you just sit there like, what? You kind of hit the walk of flock of flame, like, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly like that walk of flock of me, like, okay. <laughs> All right, girl. You're like, oh. If that's what you really feel, if that's how you really think, or, you know, like just, I mean, not even, this isn't even relevant to that, but just like just sayings of like these type of like white archetypes. Like, do you have like one of the white women savior who are believing that they are allies, but if they ever get called out on anything, it's like they're completely now victims. Like there was an incident at my job where 
a white woman was called out. She was like head of like a, a one of the departments there, and she was called out for like a very not tasteful email that she sent out regarding race and diversity in the workplace, and she was called out on it. And we're just trying to, you know, obviously fix them. Like, yo, no, you guys need to address that, which they still have not addressed. But you know, they need to address it. And something needs to be said about it. And in the meeting that she had with one of the people who called her out, I I was one of them. I wasn't in this meeting. Um, the entire meeting, the whole end of it, they ended it early because she started crying. And she was like, that is so not like me. Like, I don't do that. Like, I'm not like that kind of person. Like, that's not what I meant. I'm like, girl. 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 Why are you crying? Miss Lady. You are the injured part. (laughs) Miss Lady. Did you or did you not send out that email? Okay, so then you did do it. (laughs) why are you why are you crying what? we're trying to talk i could cry too i could cry too hold on <laughs> let me go grab my tears what that's just weird because it's like i understand like yeah you may feel bad but it's like now you're just doing a lot it's like yeah. now you're taking away you're using your privilege again by doing that because you're taking away the attention time and energy from yeah. the injured party and now we're supposed to Go get a liberal cup to put your liberal tears in for what? And we're supposed to comfort you now? Yeah, no. Like we're supposed to be the black now you're now technically with your situation, you were supposed to be the black mammy that was supposed to clean up the mess <laughs> and tell her that it's okay. No, when you were the one that was injured. Exactly. But I mean it, it's just like the whole example of like doing something and that's like not okay and then being called out and then not even trying to be holding yourself accountable for anything it's like yeah. another another microaggression that is a fave of mine is um white people trying to explain why they should be able to say the n-word um and <laughs> there was there's um i don't know you watch girlfriends before right yeah Okay, so it was obviously aired so long ago when we were, like, younger. So now I've been, like, in a dark hole just rewatching so many of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm loving it because I'm like, wow, so many things, like, went over my head when I was a child. But now I'm, like, as a grown woman watching, I'm like, <gasps> so good. But anyway, so there was one episode and it was, like, Lynn. Um, Lynn is mixed. She's the mixed girl in the friend group. And she's half black and half white. And she, as she's, she said, as she's gotten older and went into college, she was like more identifying with her black side a lot more because she never had that privilege growing up. She was only around white people. And so she felt like she needed to be white and like literally shame and not even acknowledge that black side of her. Um, and once she got into college, that's like where like that space opened up for her. And obviously after college, it was also just like a better time for her to like really identify with all of that. So she did. Then there was an episode where Lynn's sister came to visit and Lynn's sister is obviously white because Lynn's adopted, by the way. Um, and so the, the, the Lynn is trying to, you know, set the tone for her friends. Like, okay, guys, my sister's going to come and visit. But I just want you to know, though, like, she's very um, out there. Um, I just want to let you know. like, And then they're like, oh, is she not usually around black people? And then Lynn's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, she's comfortable around black people. Like, very comfortable around black people and they're (laughs) all like and they're all like okay girl like nobody's like anticipating at all like what they're expecting and then in comes this woman she is wearing like a head wrap 
She's wearing like clearly like a a dashiki looking like like shirt or something. She's wearing like like beaded bracelets, um, and uh, <laughs> like she has in like little like dreadlocks, <laughs> like little like I don't even know. But and then she's wearing like a long flowy skirt with it, and then she just comes in and she's like, "Hey girls, what's up? How are y'all?" Well, and then she's just walking around the entire scene that every moment that she's in it, she's like, uh-uh, no, y'all need to try my collard greens. Like, I make it so good. And then they're all like, wait, Lynn, what's wrong with her? Like, what, what is she doing? Like, what? why is she talking like that? And, and if you know girlfriends, it's like all of these girls, like one of them is like from Fresno, who now lives in L.A. The other one is like so Valley Girl. The other one is like um, from Crenshaw, but she works and that's how she met um, the girl, the Valley girl, but she works as her assistant. So it's like, that's like their background. So it's like, obviously you see all different kinds of black women, which is why the show is also amazing. But the sister is clearly coming in as a stare, like what she believes is as a stereotypical black person. And that's just, and, but she's made it her whole identity. Like it's her that's whole identity. She like, only dresses that way she only talks that way she only listens to like what she believes is black music she only listens to certain things she like the things that she cooks is only like like traditional like uh black food from different cultures you know like and all that stuff and then there was a scene like where they're all very much like on edge like especially tony tony's like not liking her and they call her out but maya is the only one who is loving her but only because she's like this girl is weird but like okay like as long as she just like likes you know black people and black culture then it's totally fine like she can you know appropriate or do whatever that she's doing as long as like you know she it, it looks like it's coming from a place of appreciation and love so like it's totally fine up until a scene when they're in the hair salon and now the girl's trying to get braids and <laughs> Yeah. And they're singing a song and the song obviously gets to a part where it says the N word and everybody's like singing like, hey, what? and then the white girl goes, yeah, my nigga. Da, da, da. And it was like the whole salon was like, wait, what? Somebody get this girl. Yeah, like, Hold your horses. Somebody get this girl. Get her out now. And it was like a whole switch because she was just accepted into that crowd. And it was like, no. And the girl was just basically at one point saying something about, like, how she obviously never meant any of this in any harm. Like, this is just her trying to integrate and try to make her sister feel comfortable about her blackness because she never did type of thing. But also, like, now she's gone so far that it's, like, a part of her identity. And I'm like, I feel obviously a part of microaggression is cultural appropriation. Like, that is yeah. another thing that, you know, is, is a thing that falls from it. And... I don't know. There's just so much like the you're hot for a black girl. You're so pretty for a black girl. I would also I would never date a black girl. That's another type of microaggression. And again, it's just like all of these comments, all of these behaviors that are just done to you so casually because it's not seen as a big deal because they're, they're, no one's processing that this is offensive and they're not sticking around even for that discussion because they just drop it, say it and move on. And you're left there now with like the whoa and the should I say something? And we talked about this even before, before we even started recording, like you were saying it's so much easier to call out people that you're not friends with. Oh, yeah. 
than like, calling out people that you do know and you are friends because again also microaggressions are usually coming from the people that you are friendly with usually yeah and that's what i like that's what's interesting because it's like i've had even just casual encounters right like i have to admit when i was younger i never felt comfortable calling out anybody because i was like oh my god like one, I'm outnumbered. I don't want to cause a scene. I don't mm. want to blah, blah. But then you I don't remember want to be the angry black woman. You don't want the to be angry black girl. The problematic yeah. like you black wanna, child. Yeah, you don't want to be any of those things. You're like, okay, do I call these people out? Do I stand by this and like risk, you know, like being basically socially isolated? Even though I'm already being socially isolated, like saying that, or <laughs> like, do I actually like, you know? Just kind of act like it didn't happen, but then you still, either way, you're going to end up with a definition of isolation. Mm-hmm. But I remember just like two in, two different ones, right? Like I remember going to, for example, this is going to sound so like basic of me, but you know, yeah, you have some basic moments, okay? I went to a Travis Scott concert. This is in the past, like a couple years ago. And I just remember, because you know, when you go to a concert with your friends and like, you lose your friends. I just remember at one point I was surrounded by like all these different white kids, little white boys. And when Travis Scott was saying like nigga and all that, we were belting it louder than me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, sir, God, like I get it. Travis Scott may have saved your life, but you are not <laughs> Travis Scott. You don't understand his life. So I'm going to need you to say Travis Scott's back. Like, these people think that just because Travis Scott saved their life that they can go ahead and say the N-word, but it's like, you don't even give a fuck about his life like that. So, one, two, we're going to need you to just not. Like, just don't. Like, that's a line we don't cross. Like, you don't have to. Like, you know what I mean? Because you can sing along to the other lyrics, but, like, once it gets there, you don't have to say it. You have a choice. So, it's like, you consciously made that choice, and that's what makes me upset. So, it's like, there are some people I would open obviously glare at them you're like what like what are you doing yeah but then sometimes it's harder with friends i remember in college i actually started you know calling people out for that because mm-hmm. i was like look like because uh, i went to the university of pittsburgh there wasn't that many black people and i just remember i took my friend grace aside because she introduced me to some of her other like hippie white friends by the way those are the ones <laughs> who will catch you off guard not to generalize i hate to do it but those are the ones that'll catch you off guard. I remember when we were like, obviously again, not sober, it was college, listening to ASAP Rocky, and we were in the car, and one of her friends just said it. And I was like, ah! and just remember, like, I didn't say anything in that direct moment, but then, like, once we, you know, the next day we were walking to class, I was like, look, like, I get it, like, ASAP, he's cool, we like our Libras, but you can't be, like, you can't say that, like, you can sing along to the song, just don't say that word. You can like his music, you can like him, but you cannot say that. Like, that is not okay. And explain to her why it wasn't okay. And it's like, I know that's not our job. <laughs> Again, like, I'm not, you know, yeah. advocating for that. But at the same time, it's like, I had to kind of force myself in that moment, even though I'm more comfortable, like, blaring and, you know, directly, as soon as it happens with the strangers, I'm just so on it. With my friends, I have to be like, I, you know, I'm going to have to talk to you. If you don't accept it and if you don't want to go about it, then we're not going to. 
But if you're actually going to listen to me and course correct and acknowledge and like you're saying in the beginning, like take accountability, then we can move on. But it's like yeah. you have a, at the end of the day, it's like I get people like to make the argument like it's music and why do the rappers and the singers say blah blah. But it's like that is cultural. <laughs> like that's that up to is, you. Like you can't, <laughs> that's not up to you. And if you say that word, you are you have a choice. You made a choice. So you have to take accountability. And if somebody is telling you, like, especially if a black person is coming up to you telling you, look, you can't do that. That hurt me. Here's why. And you make the choice not to listen. Like, bruh. <laughs> like, what else? All you can do as a black person is just like do the best that you can. You can yeah. never change people's minds. But, like, that's what I started to teach myself is, like, look, if my friends are out of line, I'm going to tell them. Because being silent isn't really, you're just going to end up, like, digging yourself into a hole and, uh, sorry to rant, but it's just, like, you're going to have to eventually, like, stand up for yourself. Even if it's uncomfortable. Exactly. And I hate doing it, <laughs> like, you're going to have to do it. And if they don't like it, then they are not worth being your friend. No, I agree. And I, I totally relate to that, too. Like, I feel my calling out really became a thing more in college, like to the point where like senior year, it was like, it was like a make it or break it thing for a lot of my uh, friendships that I had at that time too, where I was like, listen, like I'm not really tolerating any of this shit. So like you actually gotten to a point now where I'm like, my nerves are shot even more than they were before. (laughs) You know, but it's exact, but this is great though, because even though it's so awkward to have these discussions like we are in a place now where it is a lot more open than it was in the past you know like now yeah. it's a- we're able to talk about it so much more freely and it helps at least for a lot of black people healing wise to even talk about some of the things that they maybe have internalized for so long or um mm-hmm. look and see how much it's affected them or how much like it's even affected friendships relationships um and even just how you view yourself or your self-esteem, your, your like confidence and all of that. Like it's, it's just yeah. we're in such a different time now to have this time, uh, type of discussion. And it's just a lot easier now to move forward with it and talk about, and this is why I wanted to do this topic was to open that up to talk to your friends. Like, like if you yeah. are, if you're brave, you know, and especially if you're like a person um, that is not black um, and you've ever had a moment where you were questioning, maybe did you ever offend or hurt a friend or anything like that? Like, like why not just have that discussion? Like, why not talk about it? Mm-hmm. And like for uh, people of color, you know, like black, not black too. Cause I, like I said, it's, it's something that can happen to honestly any group, um, but it usually happens yeah. to the more marginalized groups. Like they're also dealing with different types of microaggressions and all that stuff too. Like colorism is huge in black communities, but also even huger in South Asian communities. Like that's like something yeah. that's, that's really big and prominent with them too. And like, there's lots of uh, ones that happen within there too. Um, you know, again, that podcast I was listening to earlier today where it was like from an Asian perspective, like it was just so eye opening. I was like, wow, like obviously I knew you would go through similar things too, but I just didn't know that the way that you internalized so much of it was just so like, relevant to others you know like it, it just related so much like it, to the point where he was even talking about how it affected his like sexuality or his sexual identity of like wh- how he views himself like in that light and who wow. he was attracted to and who he felt like he needed to be attracted to to be um I guess for like reassurance that he is quote unquote attractive um and all that all of that stuff too so it 
I really just want everyone to just do the job of trying to inform themselves more on this talk about it think about things that you've probably said that have been microaggressions listen we've all done it most likely like I can even admit I've yeah. done I've done plenty of it you know like we're, we've all we've all do it and again microaggression like I said it's just it's just the way it was just the excuse to make it more common and make it more acceptable than flat out saying racist remarks. That's what microaggression is. It is literally the most yeah. common and like it's it's just a way to just have those comments become a lot more. Yeah, common, actually. Like that's pretty much exactly what I said. So it's just <laughs> like it was just a way for um, us to solidify our internalized racism that we all have um, and prejudice. Yeah. And that's kind of just where it was presented and how it's presented. So it's just our, our job to acknowledge it and do better. And I think this is a good place to call it. <laughs> and yeah. definitely want to thank my girl for joining today. I think um, we really just talked about some things that I felt it was just so necessary. And it was also great even learning a bit more about you. <laughs> and yeah. your background too with it because I, I didn't know the whole teacher comment you made earlier was something that I definitely have experienced too and I was like wow like that's even a microaggression like I just didn't even put together and I know that that's happened plenty of times <laughs> growing up yeah I feel like she's I should call her Mrs. Macroaggression that's yeah. wild yeah. <laughs> definitely but like I said OG. we can all do better and we all need to be yeah. doing better need to be checking ourselves and like I said before about the whole microaggression part is the not holding any type of accountability at all for it because you just drop it and you move on and then nothing's really said about it what we need to be doing now is holding ourselves accountable where is this stemming from why do you feel like you you mm -hmm. know are so surprised that this black person is really smart why do you feel like you are so, you know, pressed about dating an Asian guy like that? You you shouldn't do that. Why do you feel Ooh. so like, you know, you, even imposter syndromes for people of color in the workplace? Too, like, why do you feel like you don't belong there? Why do you feel like, you know, this isn't a setting for you? Is it, Are people making you uncomfortable? Are there comments being made? Are there like little microaggressions that you feel needs to be brought to light? Like this is the time to be doing all of that. And this is the space now where we're able to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, girl. Anything, if you want a shameless plug, you totally can. If not, we'll, <laughs> we'll just like leave it here. <laughs> Follow me. What is it? What is it? All the YouTube videos. Comment on the link below. Like, subscribe. Uh, give it a thumbs up. Um, yeah, let me know what you think. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, girls. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.